I'm not saying that Salah won't score, right? But I just got a good feeling about Bruno. Just the way United played, there were times where he seemed like he was a second striker, which was crazy. Oh, this is the thing. Hello everyone and welcome to the Game Week 2 episode of the FPL Banger Podcast. This is me, Siva, and I'm joined once again by Sam. Sam, Game Week 1 was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Somehow, despite having very different teams, we both ended up with 100 points. So some this podcast is doing something to us, man. <laughs> but yeah, good weeks for both of us. Yeah, so just let's just hope when you have a bad week, that's not going to happen to me. Because as you say, we've got different teams. And, you know, this this podcast isn't really about our teams, it's about your teams. But very quickly, you know, just to show that we have some clue of what we're doing. I had Ben Rama, you had Antonio. We both had Simikas. We both had Mason Greenwood. We both had Mo Salah. And we both had Bruno. So, it, I mean, all the basic calls that we needed to get right pretty much went well. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, as long as you had one of these, or most of these, right, you would be in the same boat as us. You would be, you know, around 100 points or more. Yeah, so not, not much to worry about. Even if you did have a bad week, really, it's just, it really just is game week one. I've seen some scores of uh, 80 and 90 and people feeling very deflated. I felt deflated until I got to 100 because I think I was at 98 going into the last game. And it, it's just a psychological thing. Honestly, it's just the first game week. Such a long season, so relax and just, you know, attack the next game week. So shall we get straight into the question, Sam? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so, I mean, the topics on the agenda today will basically be mid-price midfielders we're going to focus on because a lot of talk about whether Gunduan may be out this week and if he's out, or for those who own people like Harvey Barnes, Buendia, Bailey, they quickly want to jump on this new exciting prospect from Man United, who we will discuss. We will also talk about the biggest issue of this week, which is captaincy, right? Uh, Salah and Bruno. But let's start off with the issue of midfielders first. So, the current status is that scans on Gunduan shows it's not serious damage, but it's unsure whether he plays against Norwich. KDB's back, all the other guys are coming back, so maybe Pep doesn't take the risk. So we've got a few questions here. Um, basically, uh, Tavindra Raj, talk me into getting Bailey for Gundo. And on the other hand, Neil plays FPL. Did Villa actually offer enough attacking threat this week? Looked very average. And we've got James Stevenson. Is Barnes to Greenwood a knee-jerk or a no-brainer? Very tempting for him right now. So Sam, I think we'll start off with you because all the polls I've seen today show that Greenwood's the most popular replacement amongst the community for Kunduan or Barnes or any of these midfielders. You're a United fan, you own Greenwood. Talk to me about Greenwood. Yeah, okay. Greenwood played really well in the last game. He ended up with a goal. Could have gotten more. I think he didn't really have that many big chances, but a lot of assists, a lot of smart runs. So I think it was good just as a whole for United's um Team. I think his place should be assured at least until Rashford comes back. Even when Cavani is back, I believe that he would probably still play on the left and then maybe Sancho will be on the right. So I um nailedness wise looks good. I can't remember when Rashford is supposed to be back from his surgery, but still way more. I think it's Bottom a few line, months. Yeah, yeah, a few months. So Bottom line, I think Greenwood is a great pick to have. United have um okay, so United has a good run of fixtures. First Southampton, uh, upcoming in game week two, and this I predict will be a high scoring game for United. Southampton likes to play with a high press and they have been very weak defensively, actually. 
conceding loads of goals, conceding loads of chances, stretching back to last the end of last season. And after losing Westergaard, they still haven't really replaced him yet. No incoming signings. I think this should point to a good haul for United Assets. So I think in that price range, Greenwood should be a really good option. After Southampton, we have Wolves and Newcastle. West Ham, if you look in the, the FDR provided by FPL, West Ham is red, right? But we all saw they, you know, they considered two against Newcastle last week, so they can still concede goals. Then Villa, Everton, Leicester, and I think the really big tests you know, will only come. Probably Leicester. Leicester is not as easy as it looks. And then Liverpool, Spurs, City after that. So that's when maybe you want to get off. And it's about time, you know, so people start coming back from injury and Greenwood's place might not be secured anymore. But at least for the next six game weeks, he should be a good starter in your team. I just want to play devil's advocate here because I've seen a lot of uh, question marks uh, raised by people about Greenwood, which is whether, okay, yes, you say Rashford's out and we know Rashford's out for probably about uh, two months at least, but you saw Pogba playing on the left, right? And against Leeds, four assists. He looked amazing. And I know that a lot of United fans keep saying Ole in the easier games could play Pogba in midfield. But if he doesn't do that, and if he sticks to what he did against Leeds, then you've got Pogba on the left, you've got Cavani up top, let's say, Bruno in the number 10, Sancho on the right. So uh, what I saw from fairly established managers in the community when I'm looking on Twitter today is, is getting Greenwood in a transfer waiting to happen? Are you going to have to get him out very quickly? I believe, just as a United fan, that he should be nailed for some time. You know, at least the next five to six game weeks. Um, Of course, there's always a chance he might be benched here and there for fitness issues, simply because he's still young. He's still a teenager, by the way. He'll only turn 20, I think, in something like November or something like that. So the way we played last weekend, right, and this going a bit into the tactical stuff, but it was really fluid, actually. Don't be fooled by the positioning, you know, when you look at the lineups and things like that. Pogba, yes, he was left wing certain times. Certain times he was actually in the right centre midfield. Um, he had one assist to Bruno from there. One assist to Fred where he was in the left wing. Greenwood actually scored, even though he's listed as a striker, the goal he scored, he was actually coming in as a left winger. Bruno, as an AM, certain times was playing almost as our striker. They were all over the place, right? Daniel James was on the right wing and sometimes he was on the left wing. And I think maybe it was a deliberate tactic because of the way Leeds played, right? With their man marking. So having a fluid system really drew their defenders all over the place, opened up space for Bruno in particular. But after the match, during an interview with Ole, he did mention that he doesn't see Greenwood as a striker. He sees him just as a forward capable of doing this, you know, playing middle, left, right. So it seems like the way Ole wants them to play is to have forwards who are interchangeable, who are fluid, and Greenwood definitely ticks the boxes. So I really do see him playing a more prominent role in our team this year. So I'm happy to stick with Greenwood. To be honest with you, I'm just trying to devil's advocate here because I have Greenwood as well. And I just, I don't see the reason to be so reluctant because... It's the start of the season, right? And so many players may be not nailed in five to six weeks' time. But you want to get them now. You can only attack what's in front of you. And we know Greenwood should play this weekend because uh, United had a preseason friendly against Burnley yesterday. uh, On, I think it's Monday or Tuesday. And 
Cavani wasn't even in the squad. He's in England, but he wasn't even in the squad. Marshall was and the rest of the guys were. Greenwood was on the bench. I don't see Cavani coming back this weekend. If he's not back this weekend, there's one fixture you already have. Again, and you said Southampton. They they were so poor against Everton. They looked like they conceded a lot of goals. No Vestergaard. And if Green was scoring each week, I mean, he he couldn't have done anything more against Leeds. You have to feel that he's going to keep getting minutes. He's shown that when he gets minutes, he should get goals. Poor season last season, yes. But he's had preseason to work on it. I I really liked Ole's comments post-match. He talked about how the finish against Leeds from Greenwood was, it wasn't a boy who scored that goal, it was a man. I just feel like that kind of confidence from your manager, he's young, he's he's only going to get better, you know, with time. So why not just run with him and see how long it goes? 7.5 million for somebody playing up top for United. I think it's a no-brainer. I agree, I agree. As an unbiased, slightly biased as a United fan, but even if I wasn't, I would still say that you know, he's a real, relatively low risk person to get in. So we've sold each other on Greenwood, but let's come back to James' question. Is Barnes to Greenwood a knee-jerk or a no-brainer? And I think this is f- worth discussing because a lot of people started Monday morning saying, I'm saving a transfer. I am not going to use it. I'm going to bank it. I see this everywhere. And by Wednesday, everybody's like, hmm, I would like to jump because obviously every gets four more, right? And Harvey Barnes, I thought didn't look great against Wolves, but that's why I didn't have him in my team because I felt that uh, he wasn't going to play 90 minutes, which he didn't. And I just, between him and Greenwood, Greenwood's playing further up the field, further up top. So I felt like there was a bigger motivation to go for Greenwood there. Would you recommend jumping off Barnes? You have Barnes as well, Sam, So I think. So maybe you yeah. can tell me about that. I do have both Barnes and Greenwood. Personally, as long as you already have Bruno, I think, then... I wouldn't recommend to switch off your players after one so-called poor game. I wouldn't say Barnes was bad. He just wasn't excellent, I guess. He was decent. He had a chance, I think, a really good chance. Didn't put it away. But, you know, you don't get your players for just one week, right? Barnes definitely is um, a long-term pick. He is starting to look dangerous. And I know the FDR looks scary because for some reason... When you play home, you know, when you play against West Ham at home, it's, it's a four and it's red. But as we saw, West Ham is not that solid. So I do think that Barnes can produce this week. I would hold on to him one more week at least um, before I switch him out. So, And two transfers could be very, very valuable, you know. But if, I know a lot of us won't be going on Lukaku now, but if he has, you know, a, a really big score, or if Sun really, you know, um, produces a big score again, then we'll be thinking about how to get them in. And we definitely need two transfers for that. So I think saving a transfer is definitely um, worth worth it at this stage, if you can. Yeah, and I would also just say something. Barnes has Norwich after West Ham. And having seen Norwich against Liverpool, I didn't think Liverpool were playing at their best, but they still put three goals past them. Could have scored more. And uh, there was particularly one chance that stands out to me where Salah could have made it four, but suddenly felt generous and decided to pass to Mane when he was standing in front of goal. Harvey Barnes is not going to do that. He likes to shoot, right? So I would, I would suggest you keep Barnes. I can see the four more aspect with Greenwood against United against Southampton. I'm not saying Greenwood won't score. I think he might. But like you said, right? You didn't get these plays in just for one game week. You obviously had a plan for it, and saving that transfer certainly is going to help you down the line. And I just think you're passing up a fixture against Norwich. I wouldn't want to do that. You have an attacker who's going to play Norwich. I would hold for at least that. Yeah. Especially if you already have Bruno, I think. 
but it's hard. Uh, it, it always happens, right? So you have, um, you always have not going to have that one player who scored this week. I didn't have Sun. Uh, did you have Sun, Sam? No, I couldn't fit him in. Yeah, and obviously when you watch the game, you think, you know, damn it, like I should have got him in. And you're never going to have everybody, right? So I would just just accept that you have guys that other people don't have and maybe your guys might get it too. And I think Barnes is a good asset. To come to Tevindra's question about Bailey for Gundo, I'm not sold on Villa because I watched all 90 minutes of Villa versus Watford and it was a painful watch as an Ings owner because Villa did absolutely nothing. Uh, even when they made the subs, I felt, okay, they improved slightly. But to be very honest with you, their only two shots on target were the goals, which was Ing, uh, McGinn's goal, which was a wonder goal. He's not going to score that goal ever again in his life. And Ings getting the penalty. And that's against Watford. So how's Villa going to play next week against, you know, better teams, right? Premier League teams. How are they going to play against Newcastle? I don't have confidence, if I'm being very honest with you. If I didn't own Ings, I wouldn't be bringing him in now. I wouldn't bring in Bailey. Yeah, this is the reason why I didn't. Um, I went with Alf without Ings uh, in my draft in the end. I saw, um, you know, Buenda is coming back. Ings just joined. Bailey was not fit yet. I just looked at the team. There's too many new pieces, so I just felt they wouldn't click immediately. Now I think that they do have the quality to eventually start, you know, producing. But I'm not certain if it's going to be in these next few games. So if I did not have an a villa as I wouldn't bring them in right now. Yeah, I, I just don't see the temptation. And like I said, you know, if I if I could, I would get rid of Ings this week. It's just because he's playing Newcastle and I really want to bank the transfer. I really didn't see anything. And I honestly think that if Ings hadn't scored that penalty, he would be heading for a price drop. I, I tweeted it seconds before the penalty, he's going for a price drop. Because he did he, he'd had zero non-pen XG. I know Tevinder is talking about Bailey, but I think if the, the lead striker on the team has zero XG, he didn't have a single shot up to the penalty against Watford. They aren't, you know, the best team in the league. I think that's very worrying. I would just stay clear. By the way, Bailey has not historically does not pop up with loads of goals and assists, I I think. Even in his other clubs. He's always um I mean he brings the ball up, he's a good, fantastic dribbler but never want to produce like double figure assists or goals. So I just don't think he's going to be a really good FPL asset. It might have a knock-on effect, you know, um, the space he's creating for Ings and things like that. But anyway, it's way too early in the season to see. So I would stay clear of Villa assets for now. By the way, I was really annoyed when Ings caught the penalty because I felt so vindicated in my choice not to go with Ings. And next well, thing that- I know, it's like a 95th minute penalty. I don't, I don't at all feel guilty about it. And he got a bonus point as well. What, what I know, right? I debated really heavily about going Wilson over Ings. I thought it was going to get vindicated. Oh, well. I, I thought Wilson played really well. We'll come to Wilson when we talk about strikers. Uh, another question here while we're on mids, right? And Okay, so we've sort of... I think we basically agreed that Greenwood is a get. And if you're looking for a Gundogan replacement, Greenwood is probably top of your chart. Before we move on, right, I'd just like to say that if you are making this midfield uh, moves because of Gundogan's uh, injury, perhaps, or not perhaps, but you really should wait until later on in the week to check on the injury news. Because if it turns out that he plays, you definitely want him against um, Norwich. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's a given. I I would not make any transfers until Friday evening, you know, Saturday morning at, at the latest. And despite the score, I think 
um, he could have came away with you know a goal at least against Spurs. He was um, really pushing up, got into some good positions. So, yeah, I don't see... I mean, if he plays, then really don't transfer out. So don't rush your transfer if you're doing that. But in terms of replacements, right? And to come back to Mazi Uchenna's question, uh, for those with limited funds, and I'm guessing he wants to save funds, you know, maybe for Lukaku or something down the line, or maybe Kane even, uh, would you consider uh, Willock, Saar or Embuemo? I'll talk about Willock first. I love Willock, and I thought he was amazing last season. But he hasn't had the longest preseason. He ha- he played a few games for Arsenal, but uh, he didn't get full minutes. He wasn't getting ninety minutes. And once the transfer news started happening, he he basically wasn't playing anymore. So I would want to wait and just see how quickly Willock gets up to speed. Uh, I was listening to a Newcastle podcast from the Athletic uh, a few days ago, and they said that they didn't think even if Willock was registered in time for West Ham, he wouldn't have played. They think he wasn't fit. So I would probably wait on Willock. Sa, I was really impressed, Sam. So why don't you talk to me about Sa? Because I, I really liked what I saw against Villa. And there's a possibility he may be on pens as well. Yeah, I, I thought he played really well, Sa. So well that they had to uh, sub out target, right? Yeah. Yeah, So um, just to deal with him. But anyway, I had Sa two seasons ago. So maybe I'm a bit biased. But from what I remember on Sa in the Watford's last um, Premier League stint, he was... Really good on his day, but not consistent, right? So I I remember getting burned because I saw his performance. I think it was against Liverpool. He did so well. I brought him in and then he didn't do anything for the next like four or five games. So he did well in the championship last year. Whether he will, he has grown and has grown to be more consistent this year, we don't know. It's only been one game week. So I'm not 100% sold on Saar despite that very good performance last week. It may just be an opening day thing. I don't know. Maybe they just caught Villa on a bad day. But I really liked what I saw from not just Saar, but from Dennis as well. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis, the 5 million forward at Watford. Yeah, but is it because of Villa's, Villa's off day? You know, Were they playing so bad that they made Watford look so good? Hard so these are the kind say, of things right? that you need a few games before you can really reasonably make an assumption, right? Yeah, but if you're looking for a Gundogan replacement, and let's assume he's out, right, you kind of have to take the gamble. And between the three options that Mazi has given us here, which is Willock, Saar, and Embuemo, I'll talk briefly about Embuemo, because I painfully watched Arsenal lose on opening day, and I, I really was impressed with Embuemo. 5, 5.5 million, classified as a midfielder, but he was playing up top. Now, the only caveat I would say about Embuemo was... Okay, movement was very good, got in excellent positions, created chances for himself, playing further up the field than Tony. That's all tick, tick, tick. The issue was, Brentford fans don't seem to be very sure that he will play like that in every game because they say sometimes they don't play uh, 3-5-2. They play uh, four at the back and he may then end up playing on the wing. So that's one caveat. Uh, The other thing is his finishing was a bit iffy and, I mean, the way he took some of his chances, it doesn't give you the full confidence, but then he's 5.5 million. So what do you expect? I like Embuemo, but if you had to pick between Willock, Saar and Embuemo, I would definitely go for Saar because just looking at fixtures, right? Brighton next, Spurs next, Wolves, Norwich, Newcastle. Brighton looked shaky against Burnley. Wolves, Norwich, Newcastle, all propensity to concede goals. Spurs is the only difficult fixture there. Worst case scenario, you try, if you're especially aiming for a game week 7 wildcard, I think Saar is a decent shot. Can we suggest players that are not listed by him but in the same price range? Of course. Then wouldn't you say that Ben Rama should 
is the top pick at 6.0. Hey, 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 can we flash back to last week where I told you that Ben Rama was the kind of pick that any manager who spends time watching preseason gets and that's the reward you get. And were you not impressed, Sam? I was, actually. And I knew he was doing well in preseason. I just went the safe route, right? I think I, I told that to you personally. Now you went the I wrong route, want... mate. I mean, I did okay. I went, instead of Ben Rama, I went for, um, you know, I got Antonio. I don't think I would have doubled up. So I'm happy either way. Of course, it would have been great if I did double up, but, you know, kind of everything. Yeah, so anyway, Roma's going to have penalties now too, mate, because Antonio missed nah. the first chance he got. I think he's going to go back to Rice. Okay. But we don't know, actually. It's all speculation, right? Yeah, but talk to me about Ben Rama. Let, 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 because, you know, I own him, so I'm obviously very excited, very happy to tell people that he's a good pick. But you, unbiased, talk to me about Ben Rama. Yeah, I think he's a good pick. I watched the whole game, keeping an eye on Antonio, but you cannot ignore uh, while watching the game how effective Ben Rama was. Um, creating chances, getting into positions where he can score. I think he did well. And West Ham, just as a whole, seemed to attack very well. Defense um, had some lapses, but their attacking play was great. The only thing I would say is that it's widely expected for Lingard to join again. And Benrahma's basically playing the position Lingard was playing last year. So if Lingard comes in, does Benrahma get benched? Or will Fornells be benched and then Benrama move to the left wing? Will he be as effective in the left wing as he was last weekend? We don't know, right? West Ham fans seem to say that Fornells, um, Moise loves Fornells. Fornells? Fornells? <laughs> yeah, so Moise seems to love him. So they do think there is a possibility that Benny will get benched. We don't know for sure, right? So there is one uncertainty there. Of course, the Lingard move may never materialize because it seems United is asking more than Western want to pay. But, I mean, just something to, to, to think about, I guess. So, okay, so that, that is an argument I saw even before I went in for Ben Rama, right? And whether he's nailed and all that. Of course, now, because the Lingard rumors have sort of picked up this week, I would just say this, and it's similar to Greenwood, right? You have to play what's in front of you. Do West Ham have good fixtures in the next few weeks? Yes. They play Leicester. And then after that... Leicester is a tough fixture though. I know it. the FDR can be really misleading. Right? I'm not looking at FDR. I generally think Leicester could concede because I, I saw the amount of chances Traore got against uh, Leicester. If you go back and watch the game, just even watch the highlights, Traore had a lot of chances. He was just running through their defense. The, Amati was shaky. Vestergaard, who I've always been a bit iffy about, was getting bodied by Traore. Okay, yes, Traore is a physical beast. So is Antonio, right? Uh, so I think there's potential for goals there if you recall last season West Ham beat them both times I think it's 3-2 and 3-0 so okay okay I would make an argument that they can score goals they might not win after that they played Palace Palace were awful against Chelsea so West Ham could smash them and then they play Southampton so I think we talked about this even on last season's last week's pod West Ham have probably the best fixtures against non-promoted teams they probably face the weakest non-promoted teams in Southampton and Palace and just on the Lingard thing, right? You've got to play what's in front of you. Lingard's not there yet. If he comes, he probably needs some time to bed in. He probably needs some time to get up to fitness. You have somebody who's in form, who's scoring, who was good in preseason. He's six mil. I, it is crazy that he's six mil. I, I would just, I would definitely have Ben Rama over all of the options we were talking about just now. I'd probably even have him above Greenwood. Wow, really? 
Exactly. No, because... you're just you're just biased just because <laughs> just because of last weekend. No, I own both, so there's no reason to be biased. But what I would say is this: I feel a lot more secure about Ben Rama than I even do about Greenwood because the the Lingard thing is dependent on West Ham paying whatever United want. It's so many other factors you got to consider. Greenwood's risk is real in the sense that Cavani exists; he plays for the club, and United could change the systems, all sorts of things. Ben Rama is. The guy at the club, Moyes has shown that if he gets something that works, he likes to run with it. You saw what he did with Anatovic previously, right? And he what he's done with Antonio now. I feel like he's a fairly consistent manager. He's found something that works. Why change it? I do agree that um, in the six and below option, Ben Rama stands out. In fact, 6.5 or yeah, even up to six, maybe up to seven even. He's better than Rafinha. Yeah, um, just because he had one bad week, we don't know for sure yet, right? But anyway, so to answer the question, if you're looking for a replacement six and below, Ben Rama should be top of your list. If you don't have Ben Rama, then I mean, if you already have Ben Rama, then you can look at Saar. I think that's our recommendation, right? Yeah, and if you're going higher up, uh, I can't argue against Greenwood. We didn't talk about any of the Man City mids, and I I noticed we didn't even get any questions, which suggests that people just aren't interested after Spurs. How do you feel about that? I I okay. Obviously, if Gundo is fit. He is the best value, I feel, as long as he starts, right? Disclaimer for all <laughs> City players, you don't know if they're going to start. But assuming he does, I do think he's the best value. Grealish, I think um, people are really divided, right? Because there are some who really think thought that Grealish had a horrible game. And there are some who thought that he had a good game, actually, just that the other City players were letting him down. Especially since I was playing on the same flank as Mandy, who had a horrible game. But I really don't see any player to bring in from City. Definitely Sterling is too expensive, not producing. Ferran Torres may or may not start again because he didn't play that well. Mares also had an okay game, I guess. He, of course, they, you know, Norwich is not Spurs, right? So it may be totally different this coming game. But I don't know. Just none of the City assets really appeal to me, I think. I think the biggest issue with City Essence is just whether they're nailed, right? And that's always going to be the issue. I have Mares in my team only because I knew he was starting game week one. And I hope he will start game week two. So I felt it was a risk worth taking. I think with any City asset, you can go in and you can pick Grealish. I was impressed with Grealish. I think the fact that he was allowed to play 90 minutes when Sterling was subbed off, when Mares was subbed off, I think that speaks to how Pep saw the performance. Pep didn't say anything bad about him. He was quite happy in the post-match presser. I thought Grealish played well. He he did the usual Grealish thing of getting a lot of fouls and with KDB coming back. And I would expect KDB to start since he got minutes against Spurs. Maybe, you know, free kicks and so on. Maybe he gets, maybe Grealish gets an assist after being fouled. Those kind of things. But in terms of, because they're just not nailed, right? And if you can't handle that rotation risk, then you got to go for someone else because they're all, if they're not a risk this week, they'll be a risk next week. Yeah. The only City player I would consider is KDB, I think, aside from the defense. But among the midfielders and attackers, I would only consider KDB because I think he would be fairly nil compared to the rest. Grealish, I really do think that he will be the assister of the assister kind of thing in City, just based on the way they set him up uh, last game week. So KDB is probably the only person I'm looking at. Right now, I'm not sure if he's going to start 100%, right? We don't really know for sure. Yeah, and it's hard to make a case for KDB when all your money's tied up in Bruno and Salah, who both will start and have great games. Yep. So no point to jump on now. We may change our, our point of view in a few weeks' time once KDB hits like two, 
three double figure returns in a row or something. But for now, no reason to jump on any city asset, I think. Okay, so I want to talk about Liverpool for a bit because we have questions here that talk about Liverpool mids and defenders. So we have Amzazman asking us uh, if whether Jota will start this weekend, is it worth to hold? And we also have AGFPL, long-term supporter, asking us, um, is Simakas going to be a problem now because Robo is back? So picture of Robo training, it seems, individually at least. Robertson himself posts on Twitter, by the way, Robertson does play FPL, so I, I, I'm sure he's doing this just to, to mess with all of us who own Simakas. At the same time, Jota, predictably, I think, came off on 60 minutes. I think you could have called that coming even before the match started. He's going to come off of Firmino. Of course, Firmino comes on, plays really well. All the Jota owners are getting stressed. This is why I didn't go for Jota, by the way, because what's done is done. But basically, with Simakas, you have clarity, right? He's never going to be ahead of Robertson. Jota, week to week, you have no idea what's going to happen. What do you do if you have Jota, Sam? I think you should hold, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think, I mean, he scored, right? So he shows that even though he gets subbed off early, he can still score. But like you said, I think this is just going to be a running thing throughout the whole season, right? He starts, come off 60 minutes for Firmino. Firmino might start, he then come off in 60 minutes for Jota. He might be used to, to rotate out Mane and Salah at certain points for fitness. He's not going to play every single minute of the of the season. I think that's a given for Jota. But in terms of goals per minute played, he should come good. Last season, he underperformed his XG tremendously, right? I think um, certain points, me, both of us had Jota. And he was just like missing open chances, hitting the post and stuff like that every single game. Carry that on to the Euros even. But, you know, last weekend he scored. So if he can get his uh, his goals back to his XG, then it should be a good pick still. I wouldn't transfer him out at least. Yeah, I mean, a fixture against Burnley, even 30 minutes, I think is, is still worth a shot. And with Jota, the returns are so unpredictable. You don't want to miss out on them. I've learned this game with Jota the hard way where I try and take him out when I think he's going to get benched and then he scores, you know, two goals off the bench against Arsenal last season, right? It's, it's just too risky. I would I would just... I mean, you bought Jota knowing this, this was going to happen, right? So I think you've... You price that in and he could still return. So I definitely would hold at least one more week. Yep, agreed. And same for Simicast as well, by the way. Yeah. I saw um, this tweet by, uh, I don't know, a sport scientist, a physio or something, saying that for his type of injury, it's common for them to do straight runs as part of their recovery. But the real issue will be the turning and things like that. So he said he told the FPL players not to be alarmed because... Straight runs are very normal at this stage, but it'll still be a few more weeks before he can return. I don't know how credible that is, right? It's just some guy <laughs> on Twitter. But yeah, so I wouldn't be worried for now. Besides, his 4.0. If Robo does come in, you know, it's not like um, he Robo will start and then he'll get subbed on or something like that, right? I mean, left backs, right backs usually won't. So you can be kind of assured that if he doesn't start, your first bench will come in. And then after that week, then you can start planning how to how to get him out, I guess. There is an argument here that, you know, let's not waste a transfer on a 4.0 slot. But then again, you really don't want to block up your third Liverpool uh, slot because, you know, if Liverpool is really on form, you will want three players from there. Yeah, but I don't think it's a, something to worry about right now. And the reason for that is uh, 
step out of it as a Simicast owner. Look at it from the point of view of people who have Jota because everybody who has three Liverpool has one or the other. And all those who own Jota right now are thinking of moving off. So when Robertson comes back, nobody here has 7.5 million in the bank waiting to make a defender transfer. Let's be very real about it. They'd have to make two to get the adjustment to get Robo in because everybody has Trent. So the same argument applies to Simicast. When Robo comes back, all the Simicast owners will need to make two transfers to switch it around and get Robo in. So we're all in the same boat now. I wouldn't worry. The main concern we worried previously was Jota will go crazy and therefore we all have blocked our Liverpool spot. But Jota owners now itself want to jump off. So nothing for you to worry about, I think. Yeah. And on top of that, I think Simikas had a really good game. He was on corners. He had a few shots. He put in some really good crosses. Of course, he didn't come back with an assist or goal, but you know the signs were encouraging. I am happy to have him start the next few games. I'm happy too. And from an FPL point, I was very happy what I saw. Yes, he was very involved in the attack. I'm surprised he's on corners, but he, he did okay. But I'll be I don't think defensively he was very impressive. I think uh there's a part, there's a clip of Miller slapping him on the head after he makes a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And I did feel he was a bit shaky, though. A lot of attacks coming down his flank. So I don't I don't see him displacing Robo or even uh, when Robo is fit, he's definitely losing that place. I, I but he's four million, right? So who cares? I really don't think this is an issue for people to worry about. Yep. Since we're on defenders now, Abhishek asking us prospects of Spurs defense with Romero. Does he displace Sanchez or Dyer? Romero coming, Christian Romero from uh, Atlanta, who's just signed. And then also he likes Dyer in the 4.5 bracket. Midweek game might be a good indicator to judge this. So for those of you who don't know, we have a new competition. It's called the Europa Conference League. Don't know why we have it. Spurs play midweek. Don't know what kind of team they're going to play. I've read that Kane isn't going to play, but they hope he will be fit for the weekend. Sure. But Sam, would you consider Spurs' defence? Quite impressed with how they played against City. Yeah, I think um, same like you. I was impressed in how Nuno set them up. I think he is a very tactically astute manager. So I do believe that at some points we will want a Spurs defender in. That's it. I don't know how they're going to line up. No one really knows. I've looked online and things like that because it did cross my mind. No one really knows, right? Dea and Sanchez started the last game. Romero's going to come in, but no one knows who will he replace, right? Will he replace Dyer? Will he replace Sanchez? We don't know. Spurs also uh, seems like they're in the market for another centre-back. Just rumours, but we really don't know. So until we know, I would hold off first. If Dia is the established partner of Romero, then go for Dia. He's only 4.5, so that's cheap. But until then, I will hold off. And I would not use the midweek game as an indicator because high chance that he plays the second team. I don't even know who they're playing. Pacos de Ferreira. Yeah, so I doubt they will risk their first team players You know, in the middle, have them play three games in this shot. Um, you know, last weekend, middle, and then next weekend. Yeah, Got a good feeling he'll use it to find out more about the fringe players. So I wouldn't, you know, use it as an indicator. If you were looking for a Spurs defender, I would have my eye on Jaffa Tanganga. I was really impressed with how he played against City. Because I think quite brave of Nuno because Nuno has two right backs. They have apparently left Serge Aurea out of the Conference League squad. Suggestions that he's being linked away, which happens every summer. So they have Doty, Matt Doty, who played for Nuno at Bulls. And they have Jaffa Tanganga. They played Tanganga, which I, I was quite surprised because Nuno knows Doherty. I thought he would start Doherty. 
But he went to Tanganga. He was excellent. He kept Grealish quiet. He kept Sterling quiet. Rode his luck a bit. Could you know? Could have been carded, I think. But he played really well. I saw him in the preseason friendly against Arsenal. Also played very well. Got an assist for Sun. He's 4.5. And he's playing as a fullback. So he's going to get up. He was bombing up at times. Might get the odd assist. I think 4.5 for a Spurs defender. If he's starting week to week, I think he's good. But he, yeah, if he starts week to week, right? But he's naturally a centre-back, if I'm not mistaken. So... If Oreo does leave, that leaves Doherty as the established, the only established right back. So it remains to be seen, right? It could be just a tactical thing. He wanted to stifle City's attack, so he put a centre-back out wide. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's way too early in the season for us to, you know, make like 100% assumptions on the lineup. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not saying he's a, I would bring him in this week, but I would monitor him. If I was going to get anyone from the Spurs defence, I think that is the one I would go for, just based on the performance. And also, uh, what you ask any Spurs fan who watched that match, and they all thought he was excellent. So he's the one I would have my eyes on. I felt he got forward even more than Region, so that's something to look for. I think we've covered defenders in mids. I did want to talk about attackers for a bit. We did have a question here from Kushairi, also a long-term listener. Second strikers... Uh, did Richarlison pass the eye test? And also Lukaku, should we wait to see how he starts off or just go straight in against Arsenal? Richarlison scored. Lukaku, I just read an interview where he says he's fit, he's had preseason, he's ready to start against Arsenal if the manager wants him to, which is scary. Uh, Sam, talk to me. Yeah, I will go the safe route and wait to see. Yes, he's fit, but we'll... Tuchel be confident in him enough that he will be able to play his system straight away, you know? He, he, Tuchel did say that he will be involved, right? Involved could mean coming off the bench, it could mean starting. Personally, I will hold off one more week. I mean, I don't know. It, it's a big risk. Of course, if he does start, there is a good chance that he will do well against Arsenal. But personally, I will wait first and see. Yeah, because it's Chelsea, right? And it's so annoying if you go in for an 11.5 million guy and he's not starting. I think that's the only thing that put me off. But I do want Lukaku in at some point. And unlike everybody else who says, wait for game week seven when their fixtures turn, I think go sooner. The moment we know he's actually, we've seen him starting for Chelsea and we know that Tuchel's actually comfortable starting him because Tuchel may want him to learn the system, all those kind of things. I would go straight in because I'm not too worried about Lukaku uh, needing time to adapt to the Prem. We know he's he's a beast in the Premier League. He, he's scored for so many teams. In terms of uh, how he fits into the system, I felt a lot of chances Chelsea had against Palace. Uh, people putting in balls for Timo Werner and Chalaba put in a really good pass at one point, which I felt if Lukaku had it, it's going in the back of the net. But because it's Timo, he smashes it way wide. And I just think Lukaku's going in. He's such an improvement over what they have. So for me, 11.5 million. I would think about a way to have him in, but maybe not this week. Richarlison, I just wanted to point out, there is apparently a rest plan for him. So he scored against uh, against Southampton, but apparently because he's played in the Olympics and the Copa America, there is some news that suggests that he's going to be given a few weeks uh, to recover after this game. So they played him against Southampton, but apparently they may give him a few weeks after this, just time off. Yeah, and then there is also that news that Brazil has an extra qualifying fixture or something like that, right? Yeah. And he's actually plays a really big part in the Brazil team. So if that happens, he there is a high chance that he'll miss game week four, apparently. So I wouldn't bring in someone for game week two, three, and then he misses game week four. I mean, if you have him, then hold. But I 
would not bring him in. I would look to his teammate actually. I really liked how DCL played. Yeah, he was and good. I think yeah, the way Everton set up, you know, loads of crosses. I think they had seventeen crosses or something like that. It just all points to DCL, you know, DCL goals. So if I can, if you can, I will find the other point five and move up to DCL. Personally, I am a big fan of Richarlison. Um, especially in the past few, uh, not last year, right? Like he didn't do so well last year, but the year before that, he was a really good FPL asset, actually. So I am a big fan of him, but I would hold off on bringing him in right now. Actually, I'm totally with you. I, I was thinking about DCL. I don't know why it didn't cross my mind just now, but I, before we started the pod, I was watching uh, the high, highlights of Everton Southampton and the number of crosses. I think Match of the Day said they put in 17 crosses. And th- that's clearly targeted towards DCL. So, yeah, DCL def- definitely looks... And even he spoke after the game and said how the team all played, you know, to try and help him out. So, yeah, DCL for me definitely would be the guy I'd be looking at. Shall we get to captaincy, Sam? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know who you're going to pick and maybe you already know who I'm going to pick. So, let's just get it over with. Whoa, okay. I- I- I'm actually not too sure who you got. You see, because now you said that, so now maybe... Okay, now my I... Okay, so the only two options this week that we've both considered, right? Uh, let's get it out of the way, by the way. you Would you captain a City mid? Because I own Mares, I'm not going to do it because with a Pep guy, I'm just happy if they're starting. I don't need to play with fire. If I did not have Bruno or Salah, then I would. Let's yeah. put it that way, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So I, I can't agree more. So, okay, Bruno Salah, right? So Bruno playing away at Southampton... We all know what happened the last time United played Southampton. Salah playing at home against Burnley. You talk to me first about your pick, Sam, because I, I suspect, given how you started, you're probably going to disagree with me. So let, let me hear what you have to say. Uh, I'm going to Captain Bruno. First of all, as atonement for not trusting him with my captaincy in game week one. <laughs> but more importantly, just the fact that they're facing Southampton. Southampton is a really poor defence this year. I'm not saying that Salah won't score, right? But I just got a good feeling about Bruno. Just the way United played, there were times where he seemed like he was a second striker, which was crazy. Greenwood, at certain points, would drift out wide, pull the defender away, and Bruno would be the only one running through the middle, getting onto the true balls, which is how he got his hat-trick. So just some stats that I managed to get um, from Statsman FPL. So just giving credit to him. United undefeated in away games last year, so I don't think the fact that it's an away game should affect your thinking. This calendar year, so since um, you know January 2021, Southampton has considered 52 goals in 23 matches, which placed them 20th out of all teams, with an expected XGA, so that's expected goal against, of 41 so 52 goals from 41 XGA, and even at 41 XGA, they are the lowest rank. So 20th. They've also considered 7 penalties in the 23 league matches since the start of the year. 7 penalties. So, you know, that also looks good for Bruno. And United, you know, has been on great goal-scoring form. Bruno, I don't need to go into Bruno's individual numbers, but I'm just looking at it, and it seems like another haul for United players. And if United... A United player is going to haul you, put your money on Bruno. So I'm going Bruno. And I know most people would be on Salah. So I'm happy to have that slight differential. But just generally, I do feel that Bruno is a better pick this week. 
you never cease to amaze me, Sam. I we haven't spoken, you know, since the last pod, and I did not think I would have to debate captaincy this week. It's so clear to me that it's going to be Salah. Okay, you've put your case right, so let me put mine. Okay, all the bookies odds favor Salah, and by some distance. Okay, I think all I the bookies know, man. Okay, okay wait, no, continue, no, continue. You, you, okay, so okay, so let let you've made your case. Let me make mine. Right, so bookies odds put Salah as the highest. For expected returns this week, I think Bruno for game week two anytime scorers, which you can see these odds are FPL Salah post them on Twitter every week. Bruno, I think, is 10th at around 44%. Salah's at 62%, the highest of anybody this week. So, bookies odds, bookies look at all this stuff, right? So, I, I'm not saying they're guaranteed, but that's a good starting point. Then we look at the fact that they're playing at home and home advantage, which is something that I didn't think about for the last two seasons almost, it's relevant now because they're playing at home at Anfield, first game of the season, first game with the full crowd. And if you look back last week, seven teams who played at home won their games. The three teams that lost, Norwich lost at home to Liverpool, expected, so leave that aside. Burnley lost at home to Brighton. Burnley haven't won a home game since January, so they've been bad at home. And the other team that lost at home, Newcastle, who were leading at halftime. And you saw the way they started against West Ham with the fans behind them. They they were so good. They collapsed in the second half, but they were leading 2-1 at halftime. So what I'm trying to say here is home advantage looks huge right now. Brentford beat Arsenal. Watford beat Villa. United smashed Leeds. Chelsea beat Palace. And you take all of that. Liverpool at home, Anfield against Burnley. Burnley have been poor. They've, out of their last... Uh, t- 10 games, I think they've only won three, combining end of last season to this season. They've been getting smashed by teams left, right and centre. Lost 4-0 to Spurs not too long ago at White Hart Lane, if you remember. They look poor. They haven't brought anyone in new. And the only arguments that I've heard against Salah, apart from the ones you made, because I'll be fair to you, Sam, you made a lot of good arguments for Bruno, right? With the stats that you had. But let me just say this. Salah is definitely going to play higher up the pitch than Bruno. Bruno scored three three goals from three shots against Leeds. That's the kind of thing that's not always going to happen. We've already seen referees being told to not give as many pens this season because of rule changes. They're supposed to be more lenient. That's going to count against Bruno to some extent because all said and done... It also counts against Salah. But I would say Bruno's a little more reliant on pens than Salah by just by definition of Bruno being you know, a second striker or a cam versus Salah who's more of an out-and-out forward. That's what I would say. Also, Bruno's not on all the set pieces. If you watch the Leeds game... You've got Greenwood taking some. You've got Shaw taking some. So already some of his threat, Bruno's usual avenues of attack, some of them are being reduced. So I think a lot of this comes back to, I'm not going to use terms like recency bias and all outcome bias. I don't like all these terms. Okay, I think that's all nonsense. I just think Bruno's not a bad pick. Salah's a better pick. The only reasons I've seen against Salah are, okay, early kickoff is a stupid argument. I have no interest in arguing that, right? Uh, Not relevant. Bruno played the first game last week, so it doesn't make a difference. In terms of Burnley's record against Liverpool, this is what I've seen people talk about because everybody remembers last season, double game week 19, Salah blanking against Burnley. And he's uh, Liverpool actually in their last two home games against Burnley didn't win. Both those home games without fans, empty stadium. This is really different. Anfield, at home. I mean, it, for me, this is a no-brainer, okay? I, I think it's Salah all the way. And I'm prepared to say that Salah will outscore Bruno. Yeah, I think home, the fact that they're playing home is something we maybe forgot or underestimated this year simply because after 
playing without fans for so long, suddenly having fans behind your back, it just provides such a huge boost. And we saw that right throughout all the games uh, this weekend, uh, last weekend, sorry. So definitely home form is good. And like you said, I think there are no arguments against each or really no proper arguments against each player, right? Bruno has a good fixture, he's on good form. Salah has a good fixture, he's on good form. It's just a matter of who you think will score more than the other. Because we can be, be be fairly confident that both of them will return. Yeah, I think it's fair. I still think Salah's a better pick, but hey. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. I think I think we had a healthy debate there. And I think you made a better argument for Bruno than I've ever you know than I've seen all week. I'll give you that. If you make all those arguments, just let me just throw this at you. Would you not then also consider captaining Greenwood? No. Simply because of consistency. I think um Bruno has shown that he's a really consistent asset over you know over the entire of last season, right? It's not a flash in the pan. We know now for sure that he is our main avenue of attack. Greenwood has been really unselfish, you know, peeling out wide, not occupying the middle all the time. So yeah, that and the fact also that Greenwood very likely will be substituted out. So, you know, the fact that Bruno will probably play the whole game, you know, is a it goes better for him. I don't think we can say much more than that. You've heard both our positions, you know where we stand. It's really up to you, listener. So let's just finish it off by talking about the mini league, right? So if you want to join the mini league, you haven't done it already. The code is 307V8J, all small letters. And our leader this week is Decky Dunn with 120 points. I mean, that's not even close to what any of us are getting. We also have Aaron Tan or 118, Cameron or 117, Aisha, who's been a long-term listener and has always, uh, you know, always given us a lot of support. She's a 116, which is really cool. Jonas is on 115. All of these guys had really good game leagues. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, just congratulate them, especially uh, Decky Dunn's 120. And how do you get 120, Sam? You combine both of our best picks. He had Ben Rama, Antonio, Salah, Bruno, Greenwood, Ings, and he had Marcus Alonso. Oh, that's a big shout. Did you ever consider Marcus Alonso? No, because I thought there was a good chance that Tewell would be fit in time. And there was a lot of talk about how um, Alonso was being used as a as an additional negotiating tactic to get Jules Conde Con? Conde in, right? Yeah. So they were offering to give them Alonso and things like that. So I thought in my mind, you know, Tuchel just doesn't favor him. Most likely, he would try to rush Chilwell back to play. So I was surprised when I saw him start and that he scored a great free-kick goal. So congratulations if you pick Alonso. I don't know how long that pick will last, though. Yeah, I mean, you, you, but that's true of any Chelsea player. But what I would just say is this the Alonso pick, right? We didn't even consider it. I don't think anybody was really talking about it. So credit to you. And that's the kind of thing, right? If you see something that nobody else is talking about, you don't have to follow the crowd. Just go with it, man. Because sometimes it's going to pay off and it feels really good. Yeah, just follow your gut sometimes. Yeah. So thanks to all who submitted questions. I'm sorry if we didn't shout you out personally, but thank you. I think we've covered everything. And good luck for Game Week 2. We will be back for Game Week 3. In the meantime, what should people go and get, Sam? Green arrows, everyone. Get your green arrows. Hell yeah. See you next week, guys. Oh, this is a thing.